Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your mega preview pod for this week's Fortinet Championship. It's storylines, it's our best bets, and it's our brand new one-and-done season. Joining me to break it all down, Mark Immelman is here. Mark, happy new season. Happy new season to all of you. Good to be back. Uh, enjoyed my week off. Um, in fact, I've got a few weeks off before the Ryder Cup, so this has been fun. Good to be back with you guys. Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, what up? I second that, Mark. Great to be back with everybody. Um, it's like, if it kind of feels like the first day of school, even though if, <laughs> I mean for Rick and I, it's the second. But uh, yeah, great to be here. I wore my. Did you dress up, Greg? Did you get? Did you wear like your new shoes for the first day of school, and you got all dressed up, and you made sure your hair was combed and everything? Well, no, this was not necessarily me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I more of my mom. So <laughs> right. But yeah, I was dressed up on the first day of school. Today, by the way, speaking of that, was my uh, my three-year-old's first day of school. So it actually wow. happened today. It goes so fast. But there anyway. You there you go. KP. Oh, boy. KP, Kyle Porter. Kyle Porter is here. Kyle, I remember one year I laced up my brand new Allen Iversons and went to school. And I was positive uh, I was the coolest kid around. Man, we could go like an hour on uh, which shoes you most wanted or maybe had as a kid. Um, the Griffies, the all the Penny, the Penny Hardaway shoes. This is probably you're probably out of college, Mark, but all of us were working on our our shoe game uh, in in middle school and high school. Listen, I've had two, I've had an entire off season to save up takes, so I am just ready to unload on anything we want to talk about. Hey, I guess Kyle has driven up Data Golf's uh, hits. Uh, the, 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 the visits to Data Golf must be off the charts after the seven days off with Kyle Porter around. Oh, that's good for them. I hope they become millionaires. They're geniuses. <laughs> they do good stuff. Um, gentlemen, we have a Ryder Cup update. Uh, we cannot go a day without getting some some news, whether it is the European team being finalized or Brooks Kepka donning the cover of Golf Digest and gives a very candid interview, I guess is one way to put it. Kyle, we'll just start here with you. You tweeted out a couple of uh, really interesting snippets of this interview here, and I'll just read a couple of lines. Essentially, he gets asked about his normal schedule and how does that mesh with his Ryder Cup experience. Brooks Kepka in response says, quote, it's different. It's hectic. It's a bit odd. If I'm honest, I don't want to say it's a bad week. We're just so individualized and everyone has their routine. 
and a different way of doing things. And now it's like, okay, we have to have a meeting at this time or go do this or go do that. It's the opposite of what happens during a major week. Now, he, there, there is another quote, but let's pause there. Um, Brooks Kepka, not necessarily the biggest fan of, of, of the team aspect, it appears. Well, honestly, the thing that God, I got so much to say on this, the thing that stands out there is he says, I don't want to say it's a bad week. <laughs> which means that you actually do want to say that, which is like, it's like the best week. I, I and, and you juxtapose this with everything you hear from the Euro side, right? I mean, think about the quotes we got from Ian Poulter and Sergio and Shane Lowry and all these guys that were captain's picks on Sunday night. And it's like, oh, this is what I like grew up. Like, I, I can't wait. Yeah, it's a taxing week and it's hard and there are things that are different and abnormal, but it's it's like the the best week, the best time. And this is just it, it it's just such a we can get to the other quote, but it it's such it's kind of self-defeating. It it just you're kind of going into it like putting yourself behind the eight ball and it's just so unnecessary. Just you you have to and I think this is where I've I said this on our last podcast Bryson is a problem. I think Brooks is the problem because he's so unwilling to be vulnerable to um, get outside of his normal self that has had a lot of, I mean, obviously he's had a ton of success in major championships over the course of his career, but this is a very different thing. And you have to be willing to honestly, like just have some humility to be part of a team. And to be vulnerable enough to be like, hey, I, I know I'm like the cool guy or whatever I'm trying to be, but for this week, I'm all in on the team. And that's what you see the the Euros do. And I think that's um, one of the hundred reasons they've had a ton of success over the years. I find it incredibly interesting, Greg, that he did compare this to a major championship week, which is just further confirmation that Brooks Kepka, no matter what else it is, Ryder Cup, uh, a WGC, what it doesn't matter, it, he is singularly focused on majors. He's comparing the Ryder Cup to what normally goes on during a major championship week. I thought that was I thought that was kind of a fascinating kind of throwaway line that gives us a glimpse into what literally his number one priority is. Yeah, and I would say um, there are a lot of people, I understand where he's coming from with that, because there are a lot of people that consider this to be one of the best sporting events in all of the world. And so is it a better week from for a viewing experience than majors? Some people feel that way. Um, so so. It- it's up there in that category as one of our marquee events in the game of golf. But uh, Kyle brings up the, what the Euros do. And I think of a Sergio Garcia and Ian Poulter. I would include John Rahm in this, not Rory McIlroy. But these guys look at the Ryder Cup as, as their marquee event. This is the event that they covet the most. And it seems to be the the European team, there are players who would rather win in the Ryder Cup than win a major, right? They they this is their priority. And the way Brooks Kepka classifies greatness, classifies success in his career, classifies himself as being the best player he can be, which he said number of to- a number of times in this article, which was just one of my favorite reads it was fascinating one of my most entertaining reads of the year was this article but um he looks at greatness and he compares it to what tiger's doing what jack has done and it's majors and ian poulter 
and Sergio Garcia are so proud of their Ryder Cup record. And yeah. uh, Americans aren't like, they're just not like that. So Brooks has a drive, which was very evident in this to me. He has a drive to be a great. He wants to be great. He wants to be like a Kobe Bryant of the game of golf. And he, I, I'm not sure he feels that the Ryder Cup gets him any closer to that. I mean, remember the quote Tiger said, I, you know, I, I can think of a million reasons why this isn't that important to me. There's something along those lines. It, all, the only thing I really remember is I can, I can give you a million reasons why. And it was a kind of a negative comment on the Ryder Cup. I would bet that sticks with Brooks. I would bet you that's something that he knows that he that resonates with him. So unfortunately, it kind of highlights kind of highlights the problem that the USA has had in the yeah past I, ten years. I was going to say it's it's emblematic of of <laughs> like the the I think the primary reason the US hasn't had a lot of success is they don't really trust one another and they don't trust the guy, the, whoever the captain is for the, like, there's just, there's not as much trust on the U S side as the European side. And that doesn't sound like it's like, whatever, man, just go shoot a 65, which yes, go shoot a 65. But when you don't trust one another, it just, it, it creates a lot of mental clutter, right? You start thinking about a bunch of different stuff. And am I going to have to answer questions about Brooks in this press con? You know, like there's just a bunch of stuff going on that doesn't need to be going on when you have that trust. And I think that it makes the U S play worse. It, it makes them play below where their talent level is. So I think, I think this is really emblematic of that bigger problem. Here, here's the second quote, which Mark, I think does speak to the team slash individual side of Brooks Kepka's mind here. So he kind of gets continued to be pressed on, you know, what are, what are you concerned about at the Ryder cup? You only have to look after yourself at a major championship. And Brooks Kepka says, quote, it's tough. There are times when I'm like, I won my match. I did my job. <laughs> what do you want from me? I know how to take responsibility for the shots I hit every week. Now somebody else hit a bad shot and left me in a bad spot. And I know this hole is a loss. That's new. And you have to change the way you think about things. You go from an individual sport all the time to a team sport one week a year. And he finishes Mark by saying, quote, it's so far from my normal routine, end quote. You're not surprised that Brooks said this stuff, are you? I mean, that's that's how I want to start. No. Um, and I, I'm also, you know, I didn't read the entire article. I caught bits of it um, because it was largely making my blood boil a little bit. And I'm sure that Captain Stricker and his crew are feeling kind of the same way right now, that this thing would be released at this time when we are just, you know, mere days away from what's a pretty big event. Um but I, I found that curious because what Brooks never hits a bad shot on a partner. He's like, yeah, I won my match or I had a good shot. Now nah, it's you because you played alternate shot with me. That's hit the crap. No, that, that's just not going to endear yourself very much to people in the locker room. But it's like, I've been saying all along with the whole Bryson debacle um, with Brooks as well, to a certain extent with Reed, which has been mitigated because he's not on the team. You just kind of know what you're going to get. And I think a lot of the guys in the locker room know what they're going to get. And now the challenge is, because I'm going to look beyond this, the captain and all of his crew and the team needs to look beyond this too. The only people that are benefiting out of this is the fans because they've got to laugh and the Europeans who are like, God, oh, this is some bulletin board material for us. Where everyone now on the US squad has got to move ahead a little bit. And now they've got to start to go, okay, who do we pair this guy with? Because... <laughs> He is essentially just shot a big dagger at 11 of his teammates there and said, oh, well, I'm going to be perfect. It's you scrubs that are going to let me down. 
so so as 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 a person who has high respect for Brooks and for anyone who plays the game at that level, and you talk about being a great, four majors, he's a great already. There are not many more folks in the game that have more than four majors. Let's just be real, okay? Um, out of all the folks that have ever played this game for a living. So he is bored, he's great, he's bordering on greatness. But you don't say this stuff even if you feel it. And perhaps, like we've advised Bryson and a few other professionals in the past, you are a professional golfer. Pay attention to the word professional, not just a golfer. And a professional handles himself properly in front of the media, in front of whoever. Jordan, those sorts of guys, they did that. Tiger made one or two mistakes when he was young, but he never made them again, speaking-wise. Now, he did some other stuff, but I, I, was, I was just disappointed at this, and I'm disappointed for the Americans because I, I'm, I'm friendly with a whole bunch of the European guys but I really want the Americans to win this year. And this has just not done them any favors to Kyle's observations. Yeah. I think, I think Mark makes a great point about like Brooks, Brooks matters. Like, right. He, he has four majors. Like that is, that is significant. And I think it, I think it, I think he like, I don't know. I go back and forth. I think he could matter in the team room. If he really took that on, like if it, it I mean, again, like four majors among players is a freaking big deal. And if you start saying stuff, and everybody knows that, if you start saying stuff, I think it carries some weight. Now, I, I, I do think that the U.S. has the benefit that he, I don't think, matters the most in that room. I think JT, I think Spieth, I think there are other guys that matter more. And whenever, listen, like, I've been really big on the Tiger and Phil generation not caring about the Ryder Cup, especially like the quote that, that Greg mentioned earlier with Tiger. I think because those guys were such like they mattered the most in the room always, like for as long as they were on the team, that really I think negatively affected the U.S. side for a number of years. And I think the turnover to JT and Spieth and those guys as the leaders. I think that will really benefit the U.S. because I think those guys really do care about the Ryder Cup. And so I, I think the it, if Brooks was like the guy, this would be catastrophic for the U.S. team. But I, I think there are other guys that you can kind of look to as the guys that Brooks is it, it's a little bit mitigated by how many big personalities the U.S. side has. I hear you. Uh, I want to say that Brooks is a big personality. He really is in the locker room, in the players' lounge, on the golf course. He is. He's a big personality now in the media, media too, and he's making his persona a little greater with all of these shenanigans that have been going on. Um, I, I'm keen to see how the team deals with this because from my point of view personally, all this has done is ruin my bet against Kyle because <laughs> now there's no chance that this boy is playing all five matches. I guarantee you, if, if, if Strick has got any Bill Belichick in him, he's going to go, you keep your rear end on the bench once, once or twice here, and you'll quickly realize how you're going to play for the red, white, and blue and not for you. And that's a big deal here. So uh, it's, it, it's just a, it's a horrible situation. In a, in a world, Greg, where we normally get uh, processed responses that have been run through PR and through agents and managers – should we just be applauding Brooks Kepka for telling us exactly how he feels? <laughs> I understand where the question comes from here, right? But the, this is the problem that I have with Brooks, who I love. And there's so much in this article that I really loved and I think is great, um, especially for golfers to learn from. 
from mm-hmm. as a coach. The, the stuff about him learn like growing from him is being a hothead and learning how to improve and how to keep his cool and um you know not break the leg of his bags and, and, and like he did when he was in college. Taking stuff from D. It's a great story. And what he does is really admirable. Yet at the same time, he contradicts himself constantly. And it, it bothers me. So he says, I, I, um, I, I'm so competitive. If, if I'm playing ping pong, I want to embarrass you. I want to ruin you. Yet it doesn't feel like he has that competitive drive when he goes to a PGA Tour event. And it definitely didn't seem like he has a competitive drive to beat the Europeans in the Ryder cup. It feels like this week's just a lot and I can't focus on what I'm, it, it, I can't focus on what I'm doing. Tiger said, I don't get paid for this. I get paid for a regular event. That's a little bit different than, okay, I, uh, th- this is just too much for me, but if we play ping pong, I want to embarrass you. It's so intense. It burns it. Like the language he uses is so strong and it's captivating and I, I love it. But then he says other things that contradict it. And it, it, yeah. it, it makes me feel like he's, I, I don't know. I, it, it perplexes me. I, I really, I don't know how to handle it. That is a, that's a very good take there. And look, I've been around president's cups a little bit and I've been at the Ryder cup. I've never been a part of the team mix, but these, these weeks are grueling because there's a lot of functions. There's black tie deals, there's ceremonies, there's dinners. So you know, it does get you out of out of your routine. So I will concede that to Brooks and say, I hear what you're saying. I really do. But I don't see the point. This is not lifting anybody up. It's right. It's true. It's just not building anybody up right now. And perhaps just don't say that sort of stuff in articles like this. You know, maybe. Maybe just for the greater good, perhaps. Uh, last thing, Greg. Um, I think... Greg is right about Tiger and and Brooks are saying different things, but I think it's it stems from the same point, which is like I'm I'm uh, I'm above this. I'm bigger than this. I'm more important than than kind of the task at hand. And the thing that's really frustrating about Kepka is that like, and I said it earlier, like he could be like such a great leader for the U.S. team. Like, hey, uh, you got like get on my back. I'll carry us. And if, and if, and if we lose, uh, put the blame on me, right? Not like, oh, so, you know, so-and-so hit a ball behind a tree. What could I do? You know, like I, it, there, there's just such a capacity there, like, like, uh, Greg was saying for, um, just that, that intensity at a Ryder cup and, and, and that leadership that, that we could see that he just seems so unwilling to engage in. And honestly, like some of the quotes later on where he was talking about, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't get a nap and I can't, I can't unwind by watching sports center. It's like, that is, what does he always talk about being like, guys are too mentally soft, right? I, I already have my advantage when I get to a major championship. That's as soft as it gets. I'm sorry. Like that's, that's really soft. It's that's really, really, really soft. And I, I, it just, it's kind of turning around like everything that he always says about everybody else. He kind of turned it around on himself unintentionally. So by saying that, so we could talk about this for an hour, but that's, you know, that's kind of what, those are kind of my points about the Brooks situation. 
Yeah, we'll uh, we'll put a pin in it there. Obviously, this has been your your daily Ryder Cup update. I imagine there is going to be plenty more in the future. John Rahm is using this week uh, at the Fortinet to essentially work his way into the Ryder Cup, uh, but he will not be doing it, gentlemen, with a Player of the Year award on his resume because that goes to Patrick Cantlay. And Mark, let, let's get this out of the way. This is a this is an award that is voted on by their peers, the players. I don't know if. It is, I don't know if it's a sampling of players, if they are all able to vote, how many of them actually submit something. I want them I want them to release the results like um, Baseball Hall of Fame, like who got how many votes, who voted for who. I want to see it all. I might be wrong, but if memory serves, and at 50 years young, thank you, Kyle, my memory is sometimes failing me, um, <laughs> that, any, that any paid PGA Tour member, any member in good standing gets to vote. And so that means if you are not playing, but you are a, a former player and you have a membership in good standing, you vote. I believe. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but but everyone I've spoken to, they take this role quite um, – they don't take it lightly. It, they know it's a big responsibility to vote. And kudos to them. Uh, I think it was a foregone conclusion that, that Will wins the Rookie of the Year, Zalatoris, that is. Um, but I've said this. Players respect wins. They really do. Major championships win even more. But if you've got a bushel of wins, like four, now and people are going to argue with me with this because they're like, well, he got a start at the Tour Championship. He won. He played like he needed to to win the event. Four victories is a big year. And most times when you find guys that have four, five wins, JT, I think when he won, had five, maybe six, I can't remember what it was. That's a big, big season when you're winning at that sort of a clip. Uh, and so... Um, yeah, John Rahm put up a big, uh, he had a stout argument for the thing. And yes, that COVID debacle, that wasn't the coolest thing in the world, but it was the rules of engagement. Everybody knew it. I mean, from when we came back. So I think this is thoroughly deserved. Patrick Cantley played well in the fall. He played well in the spring. There was that slight lull through the summer and then he played well when it meant something. So I'm sure a a good percentage of the players voted, and I'm sure that it wasn't a landslide, but it it was well-earned. There was no doubt in my mind Patrick Cantlay was going to be the PGA Tour Player of the Year, and even knowing that, you still wonder how it actually feels when it's official, Greg. Do we we need to assign, like, criteria to this? What makes a Player of the Year? Is it the guy you'd least like to face in a playoff? Is it the guy that you think uh, who who won the most? Is it the guy – like, do we need to start uh, trying to all agree on some type of criteria for what makes a Player of the Year? No. No, this is the beauty of it. It's the conversation, right? There's, there's, uh, there's always hypotheticals. The the PGA of America has a points list that decides Player of the Year, and it it doesn't generate any it, it doesn't generate anything. There's no conversation about it. There's no engagement. There's no debate. It just it's just a it's just a points list, and yeah. you know nobody's predicting who's going to win the PGA of America Player of the Year race. That that's not going to be a January prop conversation for us this year it's just not um so i I think having this kind of discussion and this kind of debate makes for a really interesting award and it's a a conversation that is all over the game of golf and it i think also what mark said earlier about the players taking it very seriously this is why because they're fans too and they listen to 
um, they, they are paying attention to content and they're, they're, you know, listening to shows like this. I'm, I'm sure there's a couple of, um, of voters listening to this show too. I'm sure. There I, definitely know? are. Cause I've heard things get back to us that we, I was like, oh, yeah. if, you, if I knew you were listening, I wouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, these guys, these players are, they're, they're fans, they're people, they want to, they love the game and, and they want to be involved in it. And so, yeah, I, I, I like the fact that it's not, so structured and John Rom with one win can be in the conversation with Cantlay with four wins. I, I like that aspect. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I, I'm with Greg that, you know, one player can go, well, victories are important to me. And the other player can go, well, strokes gain metrics or whatever the case might be. But there's also a real recency bias that's always on the go in everything, really. And let's not yeah. forget that playoff, which has been tabbed by a number of the pundits to see that playoff at the BMW Championship. It's the playoff for the ages kind of thing. And what Patrick Cantlay did in that thing, the boy had his back against the proverbial ropes half the time and just gutted his way out there. And he showed his, himself as a player to the world. And there were multiple highlights. So that was a whole bunch of recency. Then he takes that and he takes it to the very following week and parlays that into a tough battled win because it's hard to play with a lead. And it's two strokes. And as John Rahm said, beginning of the week, that could be gone after four holes. So I think the performance he put off, uh, put on, I should say, there at, at Caves Valley, I think that went a long way to the selection. I really do. I want to read a quote here. Um, it goes like this. Rom won three tournaments and got credit for one. Cantlay won two tournaments and got credit for four. Normal <laughs> sport, end quote. That from my wow. friend right there, uh, Kyle Porter, KP. What's up? <laughs> I just want to know if Will Zalatoris was allowed to vote in the in the Player of the Year award race because he's, he's <laughs> probably not. He's not no. a member. I, I mean, it's such a no, he's, he's a temporary yeah. a temporary member. I think you you can't surely, right? Who can I, say? I such I a normal sport. So. Um, here's, Maybe I could here's be wrong. The thing. Here's the thing. I think we're talking about. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Here, oh, here's my stat. Okay, so we're talking about all this different stuff. And I love talking about it. I'm with Greg. Like the more subjective, the better. Like we, it's it's so much fun. But I think the reality is like this Player of the Year award race comes down to whether Rom tests positive for COVID or not. Because I think if he tests negative for COVID at the Memorial, he goes on to win. Now he's got two wins to Cantlay's three, and Rom wins Player of the Year. I I, I think. I mean, I, I don't see like I'm struggling to even with just one win, I'm struggling to see how Cantlay was a better player uh, than Rom throughout the year. I mean, I've got the stat right here. They played in 17 of the same tournaments. Rom finished ahead of him in 13 of those, including the seven most important. So all six majors and the players. And Cantlay finished ahead of Rom three times. And one of those was the memorial, which Rom had to withdraw from. And then they both miss a cut at uh, Quail Hollow at the at the uh, at the Wells Fargo Championship. So, I just there's a ton of different ways that you can look at it, but I, I don't want the Player of the Year award race to swing on whether or not Rom tested positive for COVID because I think I honestly think if he tests negative, that whatever whoever I don't know what the number they should release the votes. I'm with all of you guys. Um, Whatever the numbers were, I think they swing in Rom's favor and and he wins. Now, the last thing I'll say is I, I also, and I tweeted this out, I think there should be an all-NBA type team 
where you where you get like the four or five or whatever like these guys really mattered this season i think that stuff is really meaningful to look back on where we can say 13 years later okay who, who really mattered in 2008 maybe it was anthony kim maybe it was it was obviously tiger uh, i think there should be that type of so it's not just one guy all tour and then also there should be a uh, majors mvp or majors player of the year which is it would be a, akin to like a finals MVP, right? So we say, okay, that was your regular season MVP. Who was the finals MVP? Kevin Durant, uh, Steph Curry, all these guys that win finals MVP. That Rom would have won finals MVP. He would have won the major player of the year. So I, I think both of those would be, they would really just uh, complement this PGA Tour player of the year award nicely going into the future. While we're playing hypotheticals here, um, I, I really feel like, and this is just my opinion, because there was a grueling stretch that the people were going through there in the summer leading into Torrey Pines. And it's always hard when you've got that stretch of golf and then East Coast to West Coast is hectic. Then you've got to go and play a beast like Torrey Pines. And I really do believe that because John, now, John, I don't know what the severity of his COVID case was, if he was really ill, but I feel like that extra time that he had where other guys were still competing, that was a real feather in his cap when it came to longevity around a place like Torrey Pines. I really mm -hmm. do. And that's just my opinion. I mean, that's that and $2 is going to get you a cup of coffee somewhere. But I, I really feel like if we start to go, well, you know, the memorial and this and all the rest of it, he did have an advantage having some time off coming in there. He did. They're hard that's games to play. That's an interesting, yeah, you you start doing the butterfly effect. I will say this, Greg, because I think Kyle was kind of going down the path that I – worry about and i don't know if anybody actually cares about this but like in a lot of other sports the mvp award it's a big deal it's a big deal in the nba you talk about how many mvps someone has um in our sport does does the pga tour player of the year get get lessened in value when we're constantly like should this guy have won it and also is it just going to be the guy that wins the fedex cup now that we have changed the mm. the format you know what i mean so now is it just like well he shouldn't be the mvp he should just be the guy who won the fedex cup should we even have the the, the player of the you know what i mean i just worry that yeah it, it removes a lot of the aura around winning your your league or your organization's mvp for lack of a better way to say it i wouldn't um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it and seeing the voting end before the Northern Trust at the end of the window, right? Okay. I think if you, all other sports that would be stop a, their voting in the regular right. season. <laughs> right. So that would make sense to me because you, you, to Kyle's point about having a finals MVP, and I know he used majors as, as an example, but Dustin Johnson last year and Cantlay this year were the MVP of the playoffs. No question. And so that turned into player of the year and the year as a whole. And you can always debate that. But Rick, to your original question, um, I have never heard anybody mention on Tiger Woods resume how many Jack Nicholas awards he's won. I don't know. I don't know that number. I'm sure it's six or 10 or I mean, I, I have no wait, idea. Wait, how many I'm, I'm counting for you. you. You keep going. I'm counting. Eight. Okay. Yep. Um, so I got plenty of time here. Point <laughs> being, it's not it, this isn't an award that is looked at as a, a a resume builder at this time. Is that a problem? Yeah, you could debate. You could debate it. I mean, majors take over such a strong they they hold such a strong place in our game and our measure of success. Wins hold such a strong place in our measure of success. And I, I don't feel that um, that player of the year does, although I do think it's important.
Tiger's got 11. 11. 11. Wow. <laughs> right. Uh, I think I didn't know that. One, one problem is that you're going to get a lot of guys that when you win one playoff event, it becomes that much easier to win the the uh, the FedEx Cup. And so it's almost like this just this snowball at the very end of the year. And Mark mentioned recency bias earlier. And so if you win even one other event throughout the season, then it, it just it just becomes like this kind of not inevitability, but it it, it becomes very easy to vote for that person because you've just seen them win two of three events or whatever, maybe all three uh, in the playoffs. Um, and then, yeah, you just, you're like, Oh yeah, that guy was, of course he, he kind of won the whole thing uh, as we think about it. And I, I, that's just, I don't know that I, I don't, that's the, I, I actually like the tour championship from a viewer's perspective, but that's the downside one of the downsides of it is it's not a it's not a real tournament. They they don't it's a it's a, right. It just it just shouldn't the, count for these things, right? Yeah. It just yeah. it shouldn't be an official win. It shouldn't be it shouldn't count towards player of the year. If you just it, it's its own entity and it it's it's fine to watch and it's fine to determine the FedEx Cup, but it can't be both. It can't be official yeah. and yeah this I, format. That's good. Yeah, that's but right. without that, he still had three wins. And the best, For sure. and maybe true, true. Yeah, I'm maybe, not talking about just Cantley there. But. And maybe he still wins. I just I go back to the majors and the players. Rom beat him in all seven, and he won one of them. <clears> and <throat> Cantley was just not very good at the at the at the biggest events of the year. He missed a couple cuts. His best finish was like a T15 at the uh, I think it was at the the 2020 USO or I think it was at the 2020 Masters. So I Cantley was just not he might've won the most tournaments. He was not the best player throughout the year. The same thing happened in 19, by the way, with the major, I mean, Kepka beat, it's kind of the surprise over the last three years to me is that the players don't hold the majors in a higher standard. Yeah. Right. Cause, well, cause what does that line up with Greg? It lines up with them changing the format because now the guy who wins the FedEx cup is your PGA tour player of the year. It's the only t three times in history. The PGA tour player of the year has been different than the PGA player of the year. And it yeah. aligns exactly with, because the, the tour guys have to, they have to put the weight on the FedEx cup. Uh, yeah. Well, I have to say this because look, but for a lipped out putt, it could have been DeChambeau going into Eastlake with the number one spot. And yeah. who, what's the conversation then? So again, like I say to you, what Cantley pulled off there to dodge all of those bullets and then make that putt to make the putt to keep it alive and then tie, that was a big deal in a lot of players' minds. And I will say this about all the players I've been around. You know, when it's not locker rooms, when it, when it's not like public speak, when it's over wine behind closed doors, these guys take this stuff seriously and they're watching what everyone else is doing. And I was while you guys were talking, yeah, just looking through the previous players of the year voted by the players. This is from 2012. Rory, Tiger, Rory, Spieth, Dustin, Justin, Brooks, Rory, Dustin. <laughs> it's not like they're picking random players over here. Now, again, <laughs> Rom put a really good season together, but Candley won four times. And four times, yes, asterisk three, whatever it is, Kyle. Four times is a big deal. Two. We we uh we kind he of won. brushed we kind of brushed over this. I don't think we need to spend much time on this. Will Zalatoris, I assume unanimously wins rookie of the year. I would like to see the the voting uh uh polls for that one, but he is your rookie of the year over Garrick Higo. And uh here's a couple of trivia questions for you, gentlemen. <laughs> now winning does now winning doesn't matter. <laughs> True. The last <laughs> yeah, but Garrick played what how many events over here? Come on. Ten, I think. Eight? Like Ten, yeah, I don't know. Um 
The last player to win the rookie of the year as a special temporary member was anyone. And don't, unless you read it in the outline, don't cheat. Uh, I know wait, this one. Like they remained a special temporary. I can't imagine they, that would be true. I, they won it in the I think year it was that Spieth they got. And 13. No, 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 no. It wasn't. I want to go. Oh, Ramen, Ramen 16. Go ahead, Charlie, 15. He, went to, he went to your school, bro. <laughs> Do you know this, Greg? Charles Howell the third. There you yeah. go. You guys got it. Yeah, Charles Howell the third. I thought that uh, I thought that Spieth got special temporary in in thirteen when he won the John Deere. Well, when he won, he was a member. Yeah, when you when you become a member, yeah. Oh, that's so what he what couldn't I, have been a special I, temporary member. Well, but he was at one point in the. Yeah. Right. So but was, by the end of the yeah. year, he was a, a full member. But you're saying you end the year? Okay, my bad. I misunderstood that. Sorry. Well, I didn't really clarify. The, the you would have had it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Definitely. Other other trivia question. Completely, completely, uh, d- everything we've talked about, it, it is not associated with that. Um, two players, Dustin Johnson, Gary Player. What do they have in common? What do they have in common? Good houses in what South Carolina. <laughs> not what I'm looking for, but probably true. Yeah. Dustin Johnson. Dustin. Gary Player. Wow, I don't know where to go. I, I I don't know where to go with this one. I know they enjoy uh, Arnold Palmer sparked. Close, Mark. That would have been a very good setup for the ad. Almost, almost uh, there. Uh, how many victories do they have? Twenty-six, twenty-five. Yeah. Close. Twenty-four. Twenty-four. Twenty-four, which is the size of can that Arnold Palmer spike wow. is now available in. This is not. The 24 ounce can, gentlemen. This is the 12 ounce can. Do you think if I, if I just cracked it open and and chugged it, would I get fired or would I get promoted for that? Promotion, kind of a promoted promotion. for sure. Promotion. Should get promoted. Oh boy, maybe I'll just sip it the rest of the way. But gentlemen, it is Jacob says promotion in the chat. It is the perfect combination of iced tea and lemonade. You can have it out while you're playing a round of golf. If you're hanging by the pool, if you're working on a podcast, you just drink it on the side and nobody says anything. Sometimes you get a little promotion for it. But this really is, uh, it, it really is a very delightful drink. Now comes in multi packs and it tastes the way a hole in one feels. Greg, have you ever had a hole in one? Yes. Oh, yeah, you did. You had a walk off ace. Yeah. Uh, to yeah, back a, in to 2008. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 2008. Is that the only um, one? Yeah, the only one. But I don't need any more. <laughs> Mark, do you have, have, have any aces? You had one. Oh, wait. You had one at Faldo's house. No, Jim Nance's or house. Or at Nance's house. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, but no, that, that's on a short. I've I've had one real one on the golf course. Yeah. And and did it did it was the was it refreshing to get a hole in one? <laughs> you know, it was so long ago, I forget my mind fails me. I'll just, uh, it's I'll refreshing just, after the hole in one. All right. It was in, I'll just tell it was you, it was, very ref, it was very refreshing. <laughs> We're doing an ad read. It was very, very refreshing. Uh, nothing beats Arnold Palmer Spiked. You can find Arnold Palmer Spiked in a store near you at arnoldpalmerspike.com slash first or search for it on Drizzly and Instacart. That's arnoldpalmerspike.com slash first. 2021 Hornell Brewing Company, Memphis, Tennessee, malt beverage with natural flavor. Celebrate responsibly. Ooh, We're live now. We're cracked. All right, gentlemen. Here we go. <laughs> right before the picks, right before we start spending the money, first things cut, are about to first go First cut after race. dark, yeah. This All right, great. so here's here's what we're going to do. Uh, Producer Jacob has uh, waved his magic wand, and we are doing something different here in the fall. We are going to do one best bet per week. 
We are assuming it is a $100 wager. And KP, uh, this probably, I don't know, it's kind of feel like it impacts you the most. You're either the guy who, who makes the one best bet or the 30 bets. How do you feel about this? <laughs> yeah, I really, I really, my betting evolution was uh, <laughs> incredible. It must have been incredible to behold last season because I went from betting on half the field to betting on, you know, two guys throughout the week. So, uh, it, I, I'm, I'm glad for it because, and actually I think Mark should be the most glad for it. Cause I think he actually won our best. I think he got the most best bets. Correct. Uh, last season. Oh, really? So if we just stick with like one, it was either me or him. I, I don't know. I didn't, I haven't looked in a while, but yeah, you were the betting. You were the betting was the entire year. When you yeah. when you got your singular about your selections, yeah. So I I think it I don't know if it I don't know I I, I think it benefits me, but I, I'm not I I'm not totally I can sure. confirm it benefited Kyle greatly to the point where I'm making you guys just pick one bet for each episode piece. So instead of giving our listeners uh 25 bets to wager on, <laughs> you know they they only have to track five, and also selfishly me too. I was going to say, this feels like it's more for that's, you, Jay. That's Yeah, that's more what it <laughs> well, sounded like. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm our listener. Right, our listeners. You know, I can't track 80 football bets and, you know, three dozen three dozen golf bets as well at the Fortinet Championship. Fortnite. Uh, Greg, let's let's primer this field a little bit here. It's kind of a weird field. You get the number one player in the world, uh, and then you also finally get the graduating class, the class we've been waiting on from the KFT for what feels like a decade. Uh, here they go. And uh, whoever you pick to win, if it is not John Rom, you might just run into the the Rom buzzsaw. So you kind of got to be got to be careful. I'm very, I'm very excited for this one. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I do think it's a little tricky to pick, you know, winners if you only have one bet. Um, you're only getting one to throw down. I, my recommendation with Rom sitting in the field at whatever, what is he three and a half to, uh, I think he, last I saw was plus 3,500. Um, I, I don't really like that number and I don't like betting against him. So betting winners, I don't think is the, um, optimal strategy this week, but Hey, that, that's just He's my 3,500. I'd like to bet all of my money on it. It's not 350. Excuse me. I, I want to say this to Greg. I I loved my time doing radio at Silverado. I thought the golf course was tremendous, that north course over there. Um, it's sort of old school. It turns corners. And to this day, I think I called the event like five times. I could still not tell you what area of the game it sort of examined because every hole was sort of different. And so handicapping the field, in my opinion, was real hard. I mean, you look at the list of winners over there. Uh, Brendan Steele wins a couple of times. I remember Kevin Tway because I called it, Cam Champ. So you got sort of long, not so long, really long. Uh, and then you got, you know, guys like Emiliano Grillo, who's a, a, sort of a good iron player. And then I can't remember who the rest are, but it's just a weird sort of a place. And 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 it, it sort of examines the entire bag, but it's hard to pick. It really is hard to pick, in my opinion, around there. Well, our friends over at Caesars have John Rom currently, as we speak, plus 375 uh, to win the Fortinet Championship. A huge gap between him and Webb Simpson, who is 16 to 1. Greg, let's start with you. Your best bet uh, is, do you want me to reveal it or do you want to reveal it? Uh, whatever you prefer. You're, I'm, I'm, this is your world, Rick. I'm just living in it. <laughs> It's Ches Reevy, baby, Shea Reve, to finish inside the top 10. And Shea for Reve. that, you would get 
five and a half to one on your cashola. I, I love Ches Revy this week. Um, Shay, as I'll call him from here on out, Shay <laughs> is a great driver of the golf ball. And Mark, the one that's the one line that I draw when you say what 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 kind of what's the key. Kevin Tway, when he won, was a really good driver, but it, but it's not necessarily long or short. Yeah. You have to be a good driver of the ball in one way or another. So I, I understand where you're coming from there, but I see guys who are really solid, really strong drivers of the golf ball, and that's what I see with Shea. Um, he is extremely accurate off the tee, and that's an asset that I think will go a long way for him this week. Um, and then beyond that, his iron play also, I think he finished 22nd on tour last year uh, in strokes gain approach to green. The concern is the putter. Um that's also true about Emiliano Grillo, another guy who's won here. True about Kevin Tway. Um, not in the weeks of his wins, but it has been true about Camp Champ as well. So I look at it as a, a driver's golf course, um, but but it, it doesn't have a bias to distance one way or the other. Um, one of the reasons why I think John Rahm has a great chance of winning. But I think Shea Rivet gets himself in the top 10. This event was his only top 10 last year. And I think he's just been with 365 days for him is just too long. One year is too long for him to go without a top 10. So I, I think he gets in, in there this week. Nobody keeps uh, Ches Reeve out of the top 10 for 366 days in a row. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so Greg is going with Ches Reeve top 10 plus 550. The coach, we got his pick actually fading. Reevee going with Doug Gim minus 120 over Reevee in a matchup. Ooh, a little bit. Okay. A bit interesting there. We shall. Yeah, it is interesting. We shall see. Mark, you are riding the hot hand, sir. You are going with Mr. Kevin Na, a fellow Las, Las Vegan, Las Vegan, yep. Las Vegan, um, <laughs> Vegan. even, Vegan even money, <laughs> even money over Webb Simpson. Yeah, the the one thing. Well, Kevin Nah uh, was in a playoff year a few years ago. I, th- I can't recall who beat him. Um, it was a few years ago, and he's played pretty solidly around here. And the one thing, to Greg's observation about the course, um, the, every fairway is sort of flanked by these giant eucalyptus trees, and then these redwoods. So you can miss a fairway, but sort of have a shot, or you could miss a fairway and have nothing, and you're pitching out. And the one thing that um, Kevin Nah does is he puts the ball in play off the tee, and then he's sensational around the greens, and so. Uh, it's just on these Poanio greens on the West Coast. I, I sort of go to people that do that stuff well, and Kevin Nas proved that he's had success around here. So uh, the verdict's still a little out on Webb. Um, he hasn't had his best stuff of late. So I'm going with Nas, who's playing pretty well around the course. He's played pretty well at. That playoff loss 2015 to Emiliano Grillo, that was two sponsors ago. That was the fries, <laughs> the fries.com open. <laughs> How about that? Uh, Okay, let's turn our attention to... mm, All right, Kyle, you go first, because I'll kind of piggyback off of yours here. Uh, You're staying at the top of the board. It is the very tippy top. It is John Rahm to finish inside the top 10. And for that, you are going to have to lay minus 220. Yeah, that's fine. He's finishing the top 10 uh, either seven out of eight times or eight in a row, depending on how you feel about the memorial. Um, I, I can't the players, imagine him. The players say it's seven out of eight or whatever. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> I can't imagine him not finishing in the top 10 there. Uh, and listen, like the, the numbers are, I, I, I think it, it, it gets, it, again, I've said this a hundred times, it gets normalized. His numbers are 
astonishing. I mean, if you look at last three months, he's been almost twice, like he's gained almost twice as many strokes per round as the second best guy in the field, who's Kevin Na. Rom's at like 3.3, and I think Na's at 1.8 or something like that. And he's gained three times as many as the sixth best guy in the field, who's uh, Mito Pereira. He's at 1.1, and Rom's at 3.3. I love Mito too, but it's just... He is it's not a so, fair fight. He's, he's playing <laughs> no. so much better than all, all the, everybody in this field. And, and, you know, that strokes gain difference. It doesn't sound like a ton, but over the course of 36 holes, 54 holes, 72 holes, it's just, it's a huge amount. And not to go back to the Cantley thing, but Ron was a half stroke better per round than him throughout the season. And Cantley was the second best guy. And Brom was two strokes better per event than Patrick Cantlay. So he's just, he's playing at an absurd level. And yeah, it's not a great number, but it's just difficult to imagine him finishing outside the top 10. It's better than his outright number. Uh, plus 375 implies he's going to win this event 21% of the time. A full field event with other professional golfers 21% of the time. What it, what was Ty, what peak Tiger was like 25% of the events that he won when he yeah, teed it up, right? Yeah. right. I mean, this is crazy. Also, and, and Rom only won one. He only won once last year. So I got one win. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's why I love the top 10 bet. <laughs> uh, um, I actually opted for something similar, KP. I, I took John Rom to be top European, uh, minus 175. I took a little bit of the juice off, and I looked at the other guys who are uh, in this field as a European. The next shortest odds... Steven Yeager, he's coming up from the Corn Ferry. Uh, Aaron Rye, wow. Sepp Straka, Russell Knox, Danny Willett. So I just said, listen, I'm not gonna put, I'm not gonna put a, a top ten, a top five on John Rahm. He's just got to beat like these other nine guys. And the next, a good the next best odds are Steven Yeager, and I didn't have to lay all the juice. So I'm, I'm very much with you, John Rahm. By far the best player in this field. I just tried to cut into the juice a little bit. I yeah, I like that. By the way, the be- the funniest part about Rom's season is that he has a T1 on his OWGR page. Have you guys seen it? Because <laughs> Kevin, Na- Kevin Na too, right? <laughs> How do you T1? That's unbelievable. Yeah. What normal sport? What are we doing? For those not following along, the official World Golf rankings, uh, they they use the raw strokes at the Tour Championship. So when John Rom and Kevin Na um, tied uh, to win the Tour Championship, that's what they get in the official World Golf rankings page they also split in the pga of america um player of the year points race you don't get points for second you don't get points for second you get points for winning and they they split they each got five points they split a a win i don't think that's ever happened before expert picks who is defining us as experts expert picks here we go so this is what we do every single week we pick a winner a top 10 and a sleeper. Let's start with the sleepers and Mark. Oh, your sleeper had a very good end of last season stretch. Who is it, please? I'm going with the somewhat local boy. Uh, went to school just down the road in Palo Alto. Um, been playing beautifully. I think has sort of found his footing a little bit on the PGA tour. He came out much heralded, but sort of, you know, found the lumps and the porridge a little bit to start but now he's playing with a lot of confidence and i just think maverick manili is going to kick off the season in a big way on a golf course he's played well at in the past uh my favorite mav mcneely tidbit is um 
he wasn't allowed to play Pebble Beach until he was like 13 years old or whatever. And I was like, oh, tough, tough one, Mav. Not allowed to play. And doesn't Pebble. he? Dad, doesn't Scott has got a huge house there, very close to Pebble Beach too. So yeah, let yeah, to look they, at. They live from, right. Yeah. Uh, imagine the the heartache that would have been for tough a young scene. Mav McNeely. Uh, my sleeper, David Lipsky. Actually, I'm just I'm just rolling with. Uh, the Las Vegas crew here. Lipsky is not playing his first PGA tour event playing his 19th. We talked about this on Monday, Greg, he finished T eight at the Palmetto last year. You could have given me a million guesses. I never would have gotten to David Lipsky, but he's actually been really good when he's come up and played on tour and a very well-rounded player from the, from the kind of the junior circuit. Yeah. The big surprise here for me, Rick, is that he wasn't your, your best bet of the week. I'm surprised you went Rom instead of Lipsky, but, um, I like it. I like him as a sleeper. It was really close. I, I flipped a coin and went with John Rom. Um, KP, your sleeper. We actually just mentioned him a moment or two ago. We did. Mino Pereira. Uh, yeah, baby. didn't, he didn't, he hasn't played since the Wyndham. Um, Correct. And he didn't finish the season great. I think he was T39 at the Barracuda and then maybe miscut at the Wyndham. Uh, but leading into that, he was great. He had a bunch of top 10s. He won a couple times on the Corn Ferry. He nearly medaled at the Olympics. He, he's, he, you know, I he doesn't have momentum because he hasn't played in, in quite a while. But he, I think he's underrated a little bit. And I liked his number at 60 to 1. Uh, I, I love this guy. He's a, he's a ball striking machine. Uh, Greg, you are going back to the well for a name that we spent a lot of time talking about in kind of the late summer. Who is your sleeper? Yeah. Um, I can't, I just couldn't believe the number, uh, and, and the number to win, which look, I, I don't know if you recommend going this way, but if you can get a good top 20 or a top 10 bet on Hank Lee Biota, I think it's worth it. I mean, since his run where he had, what, four events in a row inside the top eight, he has played six rounds. Um, and and five of them were 69, and one was a 76 at, at the Northern Trust, which obviously didn't go his way. But there were a lot of guys in that event who shot some pretty high numbers. It, it was a, a tough golf course. So I give him a pass on that. And I think his form is still much better and his ability and his confidence is still much better than what these odds show. Um, it, it's, I, I couldn't believe it. He actually was, I think, I think he's 125 to one. 125. To correct. Right. And this guy can, he can win. I mean, his, his stuff approaching the greens is phenomenal. He's not overly long. I don't think that's, terribly important this week um but his iron play is fantastic and and he's got that iron and putting combo that could be really lethal so um I, i'm definitely looking forward to seeing what he does and I, I just think the number is way too long for him hey guys you guys are the pros i'm just the guy that walks around the golf course with the microphone um help me help me qualify this sounds like the player of the year conversation help me qualify what constitutes a sleeper because I don't even know what Maverick McNeely's number is. I just know he's probably a name that not, not a lot of folks are talking about leading into this Fortinet championship. 40? Didn't we say 40? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's what I we... Think, I think at one time we did say 40 to 1 or longer. Maverick, Maverick McNeely's 50 to 1, so he would, qualify uh, by, he would qualify by that metric, although I do like the idea of a sleeper being someone that nobody talks about. Under the radar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So either one, either one is as long as you don't come on here. And right. say it does. Rahm, I I, I agree with you on that, Rick. It depends if it's, um, a, like if Justin Rose is sitting at forty to one. It's hard to call him a sleeper. 
yeah. even though he's 40 to one. Yeah, but, it, but it, it's by the definition that, that you just gave, isn't it like somebody whose odds are higher than you think they should be? Or so no, if, J- so if John Rom was, I, I guess, but if John Rom was nine to one, could we call him a sleeper? We're like, ah, this is kind of, I mean, <laughs> no, you're, you're not allowed to be in a PGA tour live featured group. Then you're a sleeper. <laughs> That's actually not bad. That's a pretty good one. Uh, yeah. I think, I think whether it's a long shot. So that, so what I think a long shot is someone who has long odds. I think okay. a sleeper is someone who no one's really talking about, or maybe the odds just do not match up with what perception is. That's the way that I I usually think about it, but I think I think most places use them pretty interchangeably. Fair, fair. So forty to one, we'll keep it at that. <laughs> okay, yeah, forty, 40 to one. <laughs> uh, coach is going with Chesson Hadley. I don't have a reason, but coach is going with Chesson Hadley. Top ten locks. These are guys that are absolutely going to finish in the top ten. Uh, we've probably talked about a lot of these guys, Greg. We'll just go right back to you. We already talked about it. Ches Reeve, you like him to finish inside the top ten. Yep. Um, that's okay, my thanks. best bet. <laughs> uh, Onward. Onward. Mark, again, sticking with the hot hand here, it's Kevin Na. Finish inside the top 10. I try not to be a bandwagon jumper, but I'm jumping on the Kevin Na bandwagon right now. He's just playing with a whole head of confidence. And I don't know, with all this Brooks stuff, maybe he's trying to sort of play his way into an alternate selection on the team over there. there. So who knows? Right? Yeah, okay. So, so there they might At be. At least a little... in his mind. And the one thing about Kevin Nye, he's the kind of guy that you say to him, you can't do this and he's going to prove you wrong. That's the one thing that I know for certain about him in long conversations with a guy. So I like him in California. John Rahm for UKP. He's good at golf. Yeah, nothing else needs to be said. Go to go to his data golf or rickrungood.com page and check there it out. There you go. Definitely should do that. Coach is taking Brendan Steele. I'm taking Charlie Hoffman. I just think Charlie Hoffman had a great year. Nobody really wants to give him the respect he deserves. I'm going with Seahoff to finish inside the top 10. And now we go on record and pick our winners. We'll run it right back. KP, we'll start with you to win the Fortinet Championship 2021. Actually, I guess this is the 2022 season Fortinet. But it's the 2021 Fortinet, right? So I live by the PGA Tour calendar. I think it's the 2022. It's listed. It is. It is. When you search, when you go back and search, you know, previous results at the Fortinet Championship. Yeah, it'll be. So do they market it as the 20? Do they like sell gear that says 2022 Fortinet? No, they don't sell gear. Do they, they don't sell, sell yearly gear, gear at gear? those events? No. <laughs> no. Uh, can I? That. Can I jump in and say the hashtag? That they oh, are no. promoting on their own. Twitter. Oh wait, is it going to be? Is it going to be? Um, secure the bag because they're a cybersecurity company. No, it's a uh, hashtag like Fortinet Championship Twenty One. <sighs> Yikes! It's a they're, tough they, scene. They for have you, the Rick. year wrong. They have the year wrong. <laughs> yeah, they got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> at least do slash. At least backslash twenty twenty two after that. Yeah, there you go. Speaking of the next yeah. Fortinet Championship 2021 slash 2022 championship, you've already used an exclamation point in there too. All caps. In these date wrinkles next week at the Ryder Cup. I'm going to wear my 24 Ryder Cup at Bethpage State Park T-shirt that I bought a few seasons ago before COVID changed the entire Ryder Cup schedule. So I've got the 24 Ryder Cup at Bethpage long sleeve T. I was 
I was thinking about that because my wife has a, a 2024 uh, Beth Page hat, and I was like, yeah. "This is going to be kind of a collector's <laughs> deal. Like, no, yeah. nobody's going to have that." Next week, I'm breaking it out. Yeah. Um, uh, you're picked, you're picked to win. <laughs> you're picked to win. Uh, Kev, uh, Kevin, nah. I, Mark said it earlier. He's been really. If you look at, I think it's the last 12 years or so. Uh, the top three guys on this course in terms of strokes gained are Justin Thomas, Tony Finau, and Kevin Na. And the first two are not in the field. Kevin Na is. He's playing great. Um, it's not a course that's going to overwhelm him. You know, he's he's Mark. It's it's a very average PGA Tour course, which I think is why Mark said earlier, like there, there it, there's not one thing that stands out that you have to be great at. So I I I think Kevin Na is going to play really well this week. I too. Went with Kevin Na, and here is the rabbit hole stat. Um, this is a par 72 that plays less than 7,200 yards. There are a handful of those on the PGA Tour. If you go back to 2011, the best players on par 72s that are less than 7,200 yards uh, with a big enough sample size. John Rahm, obviously. Hideki Matsuyama is number two. Kevin Na is number three, and he's got twice as many rounds as John Rahm. 90 rounds. Plays a lot on these courses. Uh, Is that of anybody or just players in this field? Just players in this field. Gotcha. I could give you the other ones, but yeah, just just players in this field. Uh, Mark and Greg, you guys both have the same winner, so I will go with hmm, Mark first. Rob. He's he's the form of the field. Yeah, um, whatever list you just mentioned, Rick, it's no surprise that Rom's number one on it. He's number one on pretty much every list. Uh, yes. And the, if you consider Except the leaderboard a list at the end of the week. He's had a good one win the last season. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. did like I did run like a bunch of those really silly stats and everywhere. And John Rom's name is like top of the list. Yeah, he's number one. I mean, he's number one in the world. Um number two on the PGA tour. Uh, we think number two. I don't even know if did they come out with a order or just, uh, the, just I mean can't like only wins are the only thing that matters so I'm sure Harris English or Stuart Sink finished finished second ahead of Rom I need to see the results yeah, Jason Kokrak as well yes I need, I to, need see to see these. this is this is going to be like remember when Carl Malone won the MVP in like 97 and then Jordan just lit him on fire in the playoffs Rom yes. Rom might go like eight somehow go eight no at the Ryder Cup Well, you he guys might, the- were you guys the guys who moaned about the 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 the, the backyard contest, the football contest, or whatever, and the other team winning? You're like, no, 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 that weren't the rules. We're going to play by different rules now. Is that you? No, Mark, no, I never what? lost a, a football game in the backyard. <laughs> 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 so I, don't... <laughs> I just want to know if Jason Kokrak voted for himself or if he voted for John Rahm or Patrick Cantlay. That's what I want to know. I want to know who voted for I want to know if Zalatoris had a vote. That's all I want to know. <laughs> Uh, the coach is going with the champ, Cameron Champ, to win his second Fortinet championship in three years. That is coach's pick. Uh, now, gentlemen, for whatever reason, we let the guy in dead last uh, change the rules for the one and done and tell us how we are. Go- Maybe that should be it. If you finish last, you can just change the rules to whatever you want. It's like getting the first overall draft pick. You know, it's like a way. Yeah, to that's not a bad idea. You become loser becomes commish. Loser becomes commish. So that's that's what we have done. Um, we will get the full rules out, but the short of it is 
And most of it doesn't matter. Most of it revolves around the prize money being allocated in different segments. But for the way that we are going to do this, we now have to submit blind picks to producer Jacob before we go on air. And I'm pretty sure that's your fault, Mark, because you would wait until everyone else put their pick in and then you'd pick whoever coach had. And he didn't really, I don't think he really enjoyed that. Yeah, but I, but I thought it was kind of fun when you sort of knew what the other person was doing and then you could save and there was some banter and, you know, then you could suddenly make the late change. I don't know, but, but I'll, I'll play by the rules. So uh, I'm going to try to go in order from last season, if I can remember this. Uh, Coach is going with Cam Champ. Jacob, please join us. Come on in and give your first official 2022 season pick, please. Uh, for the 2022 season to win the 2021 Fortinet <laughs> Championship, not true. Um, I'm going to go with Mark Leishman. Uh, guy plays well in California, pops occasionally. Yeah, had a third place finish here last year, so let's roll with it. If you were saving Leishman for anywhere, if I don't, I don't know if there is a spot, but is there a spot that you could have saved Leishman? Maybe Farmers. Tory, yeah. yeah, Bay Hill. Yeah, he plays. Yeah. He plays well Bay at Tory. But Tory, he like broke. He, you're not supposed to hit four fairways on Sunday and win at Tory. Yeah, well, true. AP, but then maybe AP, maybe AP. that taught us something. And <laughs> that, he only had three. You have no idea way. what this. Oh, he only. Oh, sorry. I gave yeah. him, I gave him an extra one. That's the um, Thank you, Jacob. Uh, next was I don't know the order anymore. Next was probably was you, Kyle. Uh, yeah. Your your official one and done pick, please. Well, I didn't have the stones to take Rom off the top, so I I went with uh, that would have been sick to take him right here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> four, we have four, one of forty eight to just roll out John Rom right now. So yeah. I'm uh, I'm I'm writing Nah. Just j- yeah, he's been great. Um, you don't know if you're going to be able to take him next May or next July or whatever. So I'm I'm just going to take him right now. The only other logical spot would have been Shriners. That's that's the place that he's been awesome at. But uh, as you'll see in a second, I'm very much in agreement with you. I believe, Mark, you are up next, my friend. Yeah, you know, I thought heavily about Nah, and, you know, he is sort of the strength of the field alongside Rom and a couple other guys, you know, that sort of stood out. But I want to save... No, a little bit for places like Colonial, you know, one or two of those courses that are down the track that I know he's going to play. So I'm going with McNeely. I just, I'm going, going with a California boy early. Um, I don't have much knowledge of how he's played of late, but I know he's got a lot of confidence and he's played well here. So Maverick. Maverick McNeely for Mark. Greg, you are next, sir. Please give us your pick. Cameron Champ. Coach is going to be upset. Yeah, I think he's got, um, well, we'll see. Look, I, I think he's got a little bit of win equity. Um, he's got a real chance of winning. He could miss the cut too, um, but I think early on in the season, you get a guy who clearly likes a golf course. It can make it look so easy. Um, yeah, I think this is the time to to you know shoot your shot with, with Cam Champ. That is Cam Champ for Greg. Greg and coach, it is Maverick McNeely for Mark. Jacob's taking Mark Leishman. Kyle is taking Kevin Na. And I, as our reigning champion, am going with hit it, Jacob. Kevin Na. There you go. <laughs> I'm going with Kevin Na too. Horrible. Horrible. I think you can make the case that Na is the most 
I don't know if I would make this case, but the most underrated guy over the last 20 years. Ooh, he wins a lot. He wins a lot. He's had a really good career. He's made almost 40 mil. He's been just, he's just so overlooked. Um, obviously, I mean, he just, just overlooked for the Ryder Cup. And he's not like, he's not an elite player. He's not like a top 25 type guy, but he's, he's been just, he's like a better, or, or uh, he's like a Charles Howe that wins more. Right. Um, and I just think that type of guy is, is kind of underrated in on the PGA Tour. 27th on the all-time money list, currently right between Brooks Kepka and Patrick Reed on the all-time yeah. money list. Kevin Nott. You would not guess that. You would have given could have given me a million guesses. I never yeah. got that. No he's way. Ahead of, he's ahead of well, I guess Paul Casey plays a lot of it's like 38 mil, 39 mil, 37 mil. He's made more money than Henrik Stenson, although I guess Stenson played a lot of European tour events too. But a yeah, quick thing about still- Nara, Remember, for the longest time, he didn't win. I mean, he went for, I think it might have been nine seasons, might, might even be longer, when he didn't ever win. And all of a sudden, he breaks through at Greenbrier, and then he quickly goes to Colonial. And it's like he's found this vein of formula over recent seasons. So he's, his confidence is percolating in a big way. Remember when he had I, I, the I, hips? I, <clears throat> like, or he couldn't, he yeah, couldn't pull probably, the yeah. that's, an, that's an unbelievable comeback, honestly. I got to admit. Yeah. Like, it, like, wasn't he in, like, wasn't he in the final that? group with the yips? That's, at the players, like back it off. At the, at the, at player. the players he, with uh, Kucher, I think he's in the final pairing but he, with the driver. Oh, Wasn't it Kiz? Anybody? Was it Kiz? I, I thought it was Kuch. Um Anybody that has a screen print of themselves picking up a ball out of a hole on the back of their shirt isn't short on confidence. So I don't think that's his uh, weakness. That's not his. Yeah, that's not his weakness for sure. Will okay. When will? What happens when he does that and and the ball doesn't go in? Will that ever happen? And will he then stop doing it? No. I wish he would stop doing it. It's, it's, you can't like over, like you can't, as somebody who has done this, you can't overplay your, your bit. Once you overplay yeah, it, you would know. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Vince, you got to keep coming up with new bits and just ride it until it's done, and then I love you, universe. And then move on to the next. Seriously, like you got to keep reinventing yourself. You can't do the same bit for fifteen years. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to see seeing what else you uh, come up with, KP, and how you evolve in your in your bit game. Maybe Last your next one will get be thirty nine mil. I got. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Uh, Mark mentioned changing the rules of the backyard football game. That's literally what the the true championship did. They said, "Ram and Nah, you guys won, but not really because Patrick they did that a few seasons ago." Man, come on! Now the guys know the rules of engagement. You're flogging a dead horse. Let's stop. You guys, you guys. I know you scored the lowest, but you didn't win. I'm sorry. The rules have changed. The rules of golf have changed. <laughs> That's what they did. We're back, baby. New season, new mega <laughs> preview pod every single Tuesday in your feeds. For now, let me thank producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, Mark Immelman. You can find him on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. That right there, it's Greg Ducharme. He's the real GFD. That's Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time.
Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.